0: book of Joshua chapter 24. I'm sure my members have probably forgotten where their Old Testament was uh, after so much time in Luke, but we're going to be in the Joshua chapter 24. We're going to begin with number uh, verse number 14 this morning. This morning, I want to talk about covenant. I want to talk about the word covenant, and uh, a lot of times, you know, the, the, the covenant basically is a contract. It would be pretty much just a synonym to call a covenant a contract, but I like using the word covenant because really what the word covenant, it's a great use of the word that we have throughout the Scripture because it reminds us that in the sense, in the bottom line, to even contracts to which we sign, it really comes down to promise. And it really comes down to our word. Just think about you'll go somewhere and... uh, You'll uh, buy something, you'll make a purchase, or you'll get a loan, and uh, they'll bring out that paper to you, and you can sign it, and you can initial it, and you can notarize it, you can put some money down, you can lay up some collateral, but really the only thing that holds that covenant secure is really the promise that you make to pay it back. And you think when you go to, uh, to get married, you'll go down to, uh, to the courthouse and uh, they'll hand you these forms and you'll have to sign here and do this and do that. And you sign on that dotted line. But really what holds that marriage together is not that piece of paper, but really it's the strength of your word. And so this morning I want us to think about covenant. I want us to think about how it's revealed to us in Scripture about how God has entered into us a covenant. How he began with Abraham and how he continued on with Isaac and Jacob and the people of Israel. He entered into a promise with them that he would bless them. If they would follow him, if they would obey him, then they would follow him. And we follow that covenant throughout all of the Scripture. And we find it even as we continue on, as he goes into the New Testament, as he talks about the new covenant. But as we read all throughout Scripture, there comes times to when the covenant had to be renewed. There had to be a recommitment to the promise. There had to be a renewing of the people's commitment to follow and obey God, a remembrance of what God had called them to do and what they were supposed to be about. And there were usually three occasions that brought about this renewing of a covenant. We find it, first of all, when, when God would reveal to them something new about his plan, something new about, about the covenant as he explained it further. You remember how the covenant began with, uh, with Abram as, his, as he was in a distant land and he was called by God, I want you to go to a land that you do not know and I will make you a great nation. And there was the beginning of the covenant. And as he stood in that land, God appeared to him again and said, Look, if you will follow me, if you will obey me, that I will make you a father of many nations, and many people would be blessed through you. And then it came further as it got into the book of Exodus, where you had the children, God's nation, the people of Israel. And he revealed to himself in a personal way, in a powerful way, as he brought them out. And he renewed the covenant with those people, letting them know that, look, if you will follow these statutes, and if you will follow these laws, then I'll take care of you. And then it began on either further, in their ups and downs, as he brought them into the new land, where he renewed his covenant and said, here, here's what I promised you. If you were continually following me, then I'll leave you here. But as we know, they disobeyed the covenant, and God began revealing about a new covenant that he was going to make. And it's through Jesus Christ, that final revelation of the true covenant, and he renewed it with us. There are other times that uh, the covenant had to be renewed when the people got off track. There are various times when they were wondering, uh, even at the beginning with the children of, uh, of Israel, That how they first of all didn't listen to Moses. And so they had to renew their covenant with God. And how they wandered in the wilderness and they disobeyed. And they had to renew their covenant with God. And as they had their kingdom, there were kings and the people that would follow God. And then there are times that they weren't. And in each of those times when they came back to Jesus, they renewed their covenant and they renewed their commitment to God. It was time for them to renew the covenant. Another situations, uh, another occasions that you would see the renewing of that covenant is a time like we have here in, in Joshua, where it's the turning of a generation. It is a completion of a phase, and it was the handing over of the people. It was a handing over of the leadership and the responsibility to a new generation. And they would have to embrace God's word. They would have to embrace God's covenant. They would have to embrace God's instruction in their own life. And so it was time for the renewing of the covenant. And so as we read these verses this morning, I want to think about our lives and how our lives are filled with ups and downs, in our relationship with Jesus Christ, in our commitment to His church, in our commitment to His Scripture, in our commitment to living the life that He wants us to do, things can kind of be up and down, right? And so maybe you have gotten off track. Maybe you have gotten away from the Father. It's time to renew the covenant this morning. Or maybe God has brought you to a certain season of your life where he's done great things for you in the past. But rest assured, he has something new for you today. So it's time for us and all of our hearts to renew our covenant with the Lord. So let's read together and let's learn how we can renew our covenant with the Lord. In the book of Joshua, chapter 24, begin with verse number 14. It says, now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. whether the gods of your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the stay that you've given us. Lord, we thank you for the promises that you give us, Lord, in Scripture. But Lord, most importantly, Lord, we are thankful that even those times to which we are unfaithful, Lord, you remain faithful to us. Lord, And as we think on these words this morning, I pray that all of us will renew in our heart our commitment to serve and follow you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The renewing of the covenant required several things. First thing it required was an ass- uh, uh, honest assessment of the past, an honest assessment of the past. And as uh, uh, Joshua has began his discourse in the first uh, verses of this chapter, he begins reading them a history about how, well, all the things that God had done for that nation. And so you can imagine it was almost like a homecoming service for them where they would sit around and they would gather and they would talk about all the things that they have done, just like you have sat around today and talked about all the things that you have seen in this church and all the memories that you may have. So Joshua wanted to remind them of the memories to which they had and give an honest assessment about where they have been. And he starts off about how, the call of Abram when he was a in a foreign land that he called them and and he led them and he lived and watched over him while he was a sojourner there in a foreign land and the promises that he made to him and then he talked about how he watched over Isaac and Jacob as well and how he watched over them during the famine in um. In, uh, in Egypt, providing the way through Joseph. And then it talked about how God brought them out of that captivity and brought them out of Egypt and talked about how God had watched them and watched over them and provided for them in the wilderness. And now how God at this point had given them victory over these vast armies like the city of Jericho and all the Hittites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, and the Israelites, and the Phasites, and all those people That they faced and how he gave them victory, and he wanted to let them see that history. But we also see in an honest examination of the history, everything wasn't always that good, because we know that in their times when Jesus, I mean, when uh, when God would appear to the people of uh, of Israel, that they would disobey, that they would test God, even to a certain point that a whole generation was killed uh, in the desert and not allowed to enter the promised land. We hear about their rebellion. We hear about, as God would tell them an instruction, they would say, no, we're not going to do that, and how they would rise up against their leaders, and how they would refuse to do the things that God wanted them to do. And so their history, an honest assessment of their history, was filled with a whole history of God's faithfulness and provision for the people and God working through them to do extraordinary things but it was also filled with times of failure and rebellion and hardship and we like to always think when we talk about the past when we talk about the past of the church and we would talk about the past of our walk with Jesus we always want to paint a per- perfect story about how everything was always great, and we want to remember the good times. But as we think in the terms of our covenant, we want to remember that God has done a lot through us, through us but yet we have made several failures. And if you would present a summary statement for the people of Israel as they would honestly look through their history, you would conclude one thing. When we follow God, everything worked great. When we disobeyed God, everything went terrible. And if you were to look at the history of this church, I'm sure the assessment would be that when I, when we followed God, everything went great. But yet when we disobeyed and when we didn't follow God, everything went terrible. And I'm sure if you would make an honest assessment of the history of your walk with Jesus. You would say, you know what? When I followed God, everything was great. Everything turned out right. But when I didn't follow, and when I didn't do my when I did it my own way, I made a complete mess of everything. Am I just the only one? Is there anybody else? To renew the covenant, we first have to make an honest assessment of our history. And then we have to have a sober perspective of our future. In the verses uh, just after what, we'll, what we read this morning... All the people, and as he stood up, and you can just imagine, said, as for me and my house, our Father Lord, choose this day whom you serve. Everybody stood up, and they said, yeah, we're going to follow God. We're going to obey. We're going to do everything that you say, and we're going to do everything that God says, and and we're going to be totally committed to you. But Joshua put a little cold water and said, no, you can't, and no, you won't. Because you're not making an honest assessment. You're not thinking soberly about what God has for you to do. You're not soberly thinking about your future. Because you're not thinking about how stubborn we can be sometimes. And maybe the most important thing that clouds us from looking at the future and thinking about it maybe over over uh, enthusiastically about our commitments is because we think that tomorrow is going to be just like yesterday. Because even as he was calling them back to a commitment to God, in every stage of their life, that commitment required different things out of them. We're talking about what do you mean by that? Well, you just think about how when, um, when Abraham And the patriarchs were there in the foreign land. They really had to trust God to protect them because they were surrounded by people. They were surrounded by enemies. And then when they were in Egypt, they were slaves. And so they had to count on God for deliverance. And so faithfulness for them was following Christ as he delivered them. Then they were in the wilderness And in that generation, what the wilderness, they had to depend on God for everything, for food, for water, for clothing, for protection, for everything, completely depended upon God. And then as they got into the land of Canaan, they had to depend on God to win their battles. And so God had to fight for them. But now as they faced this time, their commitment for God was going to require something different because now they were in the promised land. Now they were in the land of milk and honey. And now they had to face the hardest enemy that there is to face, the enemy that continually overcomes the church today, and that is complacency, complacency. They had everything they needed. And when you have everything that you need, the one thing you forget that you need is God. And that's what happened to the people of Israel. And that's why as they said that, look, we're going we're to follow God. We'll follow God for any battle. We'll follow God in anything that he brings us through. They were not ready for the enemy that they were about to face. And that is complacency every generation, in every season of life, requires something new out of us. It's a new chapter. There are new challenges, but in all of those challenges and in every season and every time, what's required is our commitment to God. So we make an honest assessment of the past. We look soberly to the future. But then what we have to do if we're going to renew our covenant with God is we need to know what it is that God requires of us. And he speaks very, basically, he speaks very fundamentally and he tells us just a couple of things. Listen to what he says. He says, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him with sincerity and faithfulness. Two things, fear the Lord and serve him. So let's think about those two words. He tells that we should fear the Lord. And what does that mean? Does that mean that we should be scared? Does it mean that we should have reverent awe of Him? I think what I want to get you to understand and how I want you to see it this morning is that the fear of God realizes that God responds to our actions. He responds both to our faithfulness and he also responds to our unfaithfulness. And so, in our fear of God and knowing that he responds to our actions, then we have to closely think and guard and watch our actions. We can't just be reckless. We can't just be people who aren't thinking about things. You think about, uh, I always think about uh, Joey when he goes to shoe those horses, he can't just go up those lax, accidentally start grabbing feet because those horses and those mules are going to respond to his actions. And if he does the wrong thing, and sometimes even if he does the right thing, he's going to get kicked. And you think about when you're working with electricity, you just don't go willy-nilly and start pulling wires and cutting things. You have to understand is that there is going to be a response to your actions. And if your actions are the wrong actions, you're going to be set on fire. You understand in your relationships is that your boyfriends and your girlfriends and your wives and your husbands, they respond to your actions. If you do the right thing, if you're faithful, they will respond to that. But if you're unfaithful, and if you do things that wrong, they will respond to that, as well. So we choose, and we think about, and we guard our actions. We fear the Lord. We know that He responds to our faithfulness, and when we are faithful to God, we get to experience a true relationship with Him to which he guides us into which he provides for us, to whom he blesses with us and he communes with us. But when we act in a way in unfaithfulness to God, he responds to that as well with discipline. And so as we go through our life, we are to fear the Lord. We are to understand that we need to be careful about our actions. And then he says, not only do we fear the Lord, but we serve him. Notice in that word serve, he's setting forth that relationship that we have between God and ourself is that he is the master and we are the servant. And too many times we try to have it the other way, right? We try to be the masters and we let God be the servant. We say, God, I want you to do this. God, I know that you say do it this way, but I'm going to do it this way because it's my way and I like my way better. But that's not how it's going to true. That's not how you can have a covenant for God. That's not the way that he lays it out if we are to truly be in a covenant relationship with God, He is the Master, and we have to commit our hearts to serving Him. And then He gives us two adjectives, if you will, about how we are to serve the Lord, that we serve Him sincerely. Sincerely, not begrudgingly. Not just trying to fill out the commitments and the rules that He's given us but with a sincere heart, responding to his love in our life, sincerely. Not out of obligation, not out of begrudging, but we do it sincerely. Not just doing it because we're afraid that if we don't do it, we might get struck by lightning or anything like that, but we do it out of sincere love in response to what Christ has done for us, that while we were still sinners, he died for us. Since God has been so gracious to us and he has bought us with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, we sincerely submit ourselves to serve him. Then he also tells us that we serve him faithfully. That means we have to put everything else aside and serve him faithfully. You know, we can't serve God on Sunday and Wednesday and serve ourselves and serve the world the other days of the week. We have to be faithful in our service to the Lord. So we need to understand what the covenant is all about and what the requirements are. Then the next thing we have to do is we have to pick a side. Pick a side. Sometimes picking sides and make choices are hard things for us to do. If you don't believe me, just ask somebody, hey, where do you want to go eat today? And you'll talk about it for two hours and never go to eat. Sometimes we have difficulties making decisions, and y'all don't have to worry about that that today because we all know where we're going to eat, right? But anyway, sometimes making choices is difficult, and what he lays for us, he says, is a definite choice. He said, I want you to choose this day whom you will serve, choose you to stay. Whom you will serve, and he lays out some options. He says, "I want you to uh, to choose whether you're going to serve the gods who were uh, in the land your father served in the land beyond the river. I want you to choose if you're going to serve the gods that uh, were there in Egypt. Uh, I want you to choose whether or not you're going to serve the gods of the Amorites." Now, you always think about like, uh, "Well, I don't serve." other gods. I don't have other idols in my life. I don't serve Buddha. I don't worship uh, Muhammad. I don't worship all these, any things. But I want us to think about what those gods really mean. He says, first of all, are you going to serve the gods that your fathers served in the land beyond the river? And that's back from where Abram was, back there in the city of Ur, the Chaldeans, where there are other deities that they served. And so what you have to ask yourself, are you going to serve the gods of the way you were raised? Are you going to serve the gods in the way to which you grew up? Are you going to live your life the way that you used to? Are you going to serve the Lord God? Are you going to go back to doing the things the way that you used to? He said, I want you to choose this day whom you will serve. And then he gives out another option. Maybe you're going to serve the God of Egypt. And the gods of Egypt were the things that the Lord brought them out of. How many of us leave from following God to go back to those things that the Lord has brought us out of? Has he brought you out of depression? Has he brought you out of drinking? Has he brought you out of a lousy lifestyle? Those things that hurt you, the things that got you down, that the Lord brought you out of. Are you going to go back to them? Then he says, the gods of the Amorites. And those would be the gods of the people who are all around them. And so God would say to us this morning, are you going to serve me? Are you going to serve what's around you? Are you going to strive to be like I want you to be? Or are you going to strive to be like the people who are around you? He says, if it's evil in your sight, choose whom you will follow. Notice he says, hey, you ain't got to choose the Lord. You just need to make a choice. Just like Jesus would say to us, hey, you know, you're neither hot or you're cold, but you're lukewarm. I want you to, I want you to make a decision. I want you to either be for me or I want you to be for something else. But he says, I need you to make a decision about who it is that you're going to follow. Jesus referred to it in this way. He talked about paths. He talked about the broad way. And then he talked about the narrow way and the narrow road. He says, I want you to make a choice about which way you want to go. We all get to choose our paths. We're all free to choose which path we want to take. We're all free to choose what direction we want to go. We can choose our paths, but we don't get to choose the consequences. And Joshua wants you to know, would want them to know and wants you to know that there are choices, there are other options to make. You can follow the Lord or you can follow the way that you used to do, you could follow the way of the things that God had brought you out. You could follow the way of the world around you, but you don't get to choose where those paths lead. And we all know where that wide road goes, but we all also know where that narrow road goes. Choose this day which path you will take. So we choose sides, and then we need to make make a commitment. Notice what Joshua says. Before he took the poll, before he asked anybody else, he says, I'm going to let you know, first of all, right off, to begin things off, as for me and my house, we will follow the Lord. As for me and my house, we will follow the Lord. You know, too many of us are followers. Too many of us went up When people are asked to do something or someone asks a question or someone asks for volunteers, we'll all do this, right? It's like maybe you want to stand up, maybe you want to volunteer, maybe you want to do it, but, you know, you want to see. You want to see if someone's going to stand up, stand up first, because you don't want to be that one person to just stand up and nobody else, everybody else to sit down. And everybody else is just looking at you. God would say, if you're going to be one of my people, you can't do that. You have to make a personal commitment that you are going to follow God. And you make that commitment in your heart and your life. And you don't care what everybody else is doing. You don't care what everybody else in your family is doing. You don't care what everybody else in your church is doing. You don't care about what everybody else at work is doing. You don't care what everybody else at your school is doing. As for you and me, we're going to follow the Lord. So his commitment was personal. But he also committed not himself, but he also committed his sphere of influence. That's why he says, as for me and my." house. In other words, in my house, there's not going to be none of the idols. As in my house, there's not going to be none of that type of talking. As for me, in my house, there's not going to be any worship of any other God. But all there's going to be is a commitment to Jesus Christ. Now, what they do when they get out of that house is up to them. But as for me, in my house, and what I have control over, we are going to follow the Lord. We all make commitments to follow God. And we all want to enter into that covenant. And I pray that all of you have had made that decision to follow Jesus Christ. But you know what? Life happens, doesn't it? Sometimes we get involved uh, with other things. Maybe you got off track when everything was down because of COVID. Maybe you got upset with somebody at church. Maybe you got out of school and started going out with some other friends and we just don't do that church thing anymore. Whatever it is that you've gotten off track with or it's called that you've gotten off track with, today is the day that we renew our covenant with God. Today is the day that we resolve again that we're going to follow the Lord, that we are going to fear Him and that we're going to serve Him and we don't care what anybody else is going to do. I pray that all of us here will make that commitment in our hearts today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us, Lord. And I thank you for all the things that you've blessed us with. Lord, I just pray that, Lord, as we come to this time of invitation, Lord, we think in our hearts how we gave ourselves fully over to you. Or have we gotten sidetracked? But Lord, I pray during this morning, during this invitation, Lord, we get our hearts right, and we renew our commitment with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.